0: Welcome to episode 19 of the PFS Power podcast. We're your host, Robin Scott, and we're here to shine a positive light on the people that are doing amazing things for the profession. Today, we are joined by the wonderful Catherine Morgan, who is a multi-award winning financial planner and coach, as well as founder of the Money Panel and host of the In Her Financial Shoes podcast. Catherine, thank you so much for taking the time out and joining us today. How are you getting on?
1: Oh, you're so welcome. It's so nice to have a refreshing change from interviewing people for my podcast, of being interviewed for others. So, yeah, it's a great pleasure to be here today. Thank you so much. No,
0: thank you, Catherine. Just just before, before we oh. just before we got started there, sorry, Scott. We, we were just talking about the the recording that you were doing uh, yesterday for your for your new book, right? It's not about the money. Tell us a bit more about that just before we get kicked off.
1: God, what a shameful plug to start a podcast <laughs> ever. Right, it's gotta be done, right? It's gotta be done. Shameful plug. Yeah, we were chatting about our weekends and these guys are talking about like running 15 miles and partying with their friends. And they're like, what did you do? And I for my So yeah, it's it, it's really um it's you know it's really been an interesting journey actually to write a book. Um and so my book comes out on the 9th of december which is my 40th birthday so i'm kind of forgetting the fact that i'm turning 40 and celebrating the fact that i'll become an author um but yeah it was such an interesting journey because um you know as you know i create a lot of content in my business and for our audience but when it comes to writing i really or i've generally told myself this is the narrative right that i'm not a good writer but what I found is that I found a really good way to take all of the things that I do and talk about and then kind of get it transcribed and then get that put into a book. And then, you know, I had to spend a lot of time editing and adding things in. And it went very quickly from like 40,000 words to 67,000 words. And then my editor was like, you have to stop writing. Just stop writing. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been a really great journey to go through.
2: Awesome. Oh, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about what it's about?
1: Yeah so it's called it's not about the money and it's it's a personal finance book written specifically for women to look at personal finances from a completely different angle so it looks at money through a trauma informed lens and what i mean by that is it looks at money through the relationship that we have with ourselves which is then the relationship that we have with money you know it's literally like a mirror reflection the way we treat money is the way we treat ourselves And so I didn't want it to be just around the typical things like budgeting and, you know, the typical personal finance books that are out there. I really wanted it to be a book that helps people to deserve to have money in the first place, number one, actually then keep hold of the money, number two, and then learn to grow money, number three. So it kind of takes those three distinct steps, deserving, creating and growing, and it's quite a deep practical book. So there's lots of journaling questions, there's lots of practical application of what they're learning. But with the main lens that if we don't actually look at the behaviours and the relationship we have with money first, how on earth can we then start to actually put into place the practical steps?
0: Yeah, that's it's fascinating. And, and your, you, I mean, the steps that you talk about in these books are these ones that, I mean, how did you come around figuring out these steps? Is it, is it sort of, you, you practice what you preach is work that you've done yourself, because I know, you know, back in you know, your, your background with your son and the diagnosis of meningitis and things like that that you've spoken about quite openly before that, you know, that, that's quite impacted a lot of the work that you do. Can you just share a bit about that?
1: Yeah, do you know, the opening chapter actually of the book um, was inspired when I did a 10 minute kind of TEDx style speech for the Next Gen Planner community. And it's, it was a story that I'd never shared before. It was actually around being bullied at school. And this is the opening chapter of my book. And it, I feel quite kind of nervous about sharing it to like a greater audience now, because I still know that not, not many people have heard that story. And and so when it came to writing the steps in the book, I th- this is kind of the framework that I use with my one-to-one clients when I'm in the coaching capacity. So I actually deregulated a few months ago. So now I only focus on financial coaching. And the steps that I've just over the last five years taken clients through naturally goes through the steps of past, present, future. So in order to look at their present, where they are right now with money, and look ahead to the future, which is what financial coaching is all about, it's looking ahead – We actually do have to understand a little bit about our financial past without going into the kind of um, therapist space, although I am actually a qualified therapist. But what the three stages do is they go back and get a client to think about, well, let's just reflect on how far I've come with money and what is the lens that I'm actually using when I attack money, you know, when I have money in front of me, when I don't want to look at my bank account, when I don't want to take risks investing. It's So looking at that past piece, not to try and heal the past, because that's where therapy comes in, but actually to just be, bring some curiosity and awareness to those beliefs, then take them through into the create stage, which is all about the present day. And then the future state for me isn't about asking the client to think about their financial future, because most people really struggle with that. Like if someone said to me, what are you going to do in five years' time? I have no clue what I'm going to do in five days' time, (laughs) let alone five years' time. And the brain always struggles to think about the future because the future is so uncertain. So the way that we've positioned this and the way I position this with my clients is, well, let's bring the future into the present day. Much easier to do. Let's bring the future into today by looking at what elements of your life do you want to maintain? Do you want to kind of keep and actually what aspects of our life drain us energetically, you know, so that we can create more time and time freedom is the one thing that we all want more of to then actually feel deserving to step into that position where we can just really protect what we've already got, but then have more of what we don't and get rid of all the things that are sabotaging us or draining our energy. So it's, it's almost like. You've probably heard of law of attraction and most of you listening to this will be like, oh, God, that's woo woo. Don't talk to me about that. And I'm I'm exactly the same. Like, I don't believe in the woo woo stuff. But what I do believe in is it's about what we want more of intentionally. And then law of subtraction. Right. What do we want less of in our lives? That's draining our energy, that's stopping us from living the life that we want to create, which is a beautiful segue into this conversation about brand. Right. Because branding and marketing is about well, who do you want to serve? And what is the kind of business that you want to create, not based on what everybody else is doing, but what brings you happiness and well-being in your life rather than looking at everybody else?
2: I really love that um, idea. of because well, I sometimes find this for myself, speaking with clients, and you will speak about aspirations, motivations, etc. And it always feels like, well, I only came to talk to you about this one specific issue. And you're talking to me about now let's plan what I'm going to do for the next 50 years and I think bringing that into today so what do you actually enjoy doing now that you want to maintain and what do you actually want to do less of is a really good way of starting off that journey um, I
1: think so yeah I mean most people know like what makes them cross and angry and drains their energy uh you know people who drain our energy you know it, it, it's I think it's a much easier conversation to start with those things and it is just to ask a question about well what do you want to do when you retire
0: Definitely. And, and that, that point around, at quite brave as well, I think, you know, and, and, and how you can, you know, front that up almost and say, well, look, I'm going to do more of me, more of the stuff that I get, you know, enjoyment from and my passions and, and what I'm interested in and, and less of the stuff that just takes that away from me. I mean, is that, again, talking about that kind of recently deregulating yourself if you like and going into that coaching space is is that what you're referring to for yourself in terms of doing more of what you enjoy as opposed to kind of stripping out the elements that you didn't
1: yeah a hundred percent like i should have done it two years ago um and it wasn't it's not that i didn't love being in a regulated capacity as a financial planner i really did enjoy it that was half the problem is i did love being a financial planner But I just got to the stage where I couldn't continue to grow the business and have the greater impact in the world that I wanted to have while still working with one-to-one clients. So I've worked very, very seldomly now with one-to-one clients. Most of what we do is in group programs um, for two reasons. One, because we can have a massive impact on many more people all at once. The power of a one-to-many approach with finances but also you know a big part of what we do now is to train financial professionals to integrate this work into their businesses because i really do believe that unless we are focusing on a client's relationship with money their beliefs and their behaviors you know we're going to be left behind as businesses in you know not in the not too distant future i think it's a fantastic way to safeguard your business future-proof your business and also educate the next generation You know, we we want to help the next generation. How do we do that? Because financial generations in their 20s and 30s, they can't afford, quite frankly, to see a financial planner. And I know there's a bunch of financial planners who really want to help to serve that market. I know First Wealth, for example, is a fabulous example of an organisation who does that really, really well. But we can't do that if we're only serving one to one clients for people who have wealth. Um, So I do really believe that by me spending my time focusing on well, how can I create bigger impact in the world? The only way I can do that is to get you guys doing this as well and teach you how to do this so that we're all doing this together to really you know fill that advice gap, create much better harbor harbor more conversation conversations with people around having a better relationship with money.
2: When did you uh, just taking it back slightly? When did you sort of switch to the the the, the thought process that you have now around the relationship with money? Was it did you used to do sort of the traditional financial planning way and then decide actual fact there's more to this?
1: Yeah, really good question. I only really discovered financial planning about eight years ago. Um, I was working at the bank. Um, felt very disillusioned with what I was doing. Um actually I was very I was physically unable to do my job at that point because I'd just come back from my second maternity leave and I had really awful problems with my pelvis in pregnancy. So when I came back to work after my second son was born, I think with all the problems physically that I was having, and I was also going through um PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder after Thomas was very, very poorly. Um I actually couldn't sit down at my desk for longer than 20 minutes and my boss wasn't particularly supportive of me staying in the workplace and wanted to just get me signed off quite frankly because it was the easiest thing to do and I wanted to be at work and it kind of just got a bit difficult for me to be in work and that kind of fueled me along with this whole belief that well I've got these people coming into my office who don't need financial products but I was doing a really good job like I was sitting on the floor with these 70 year old ladies who just lost their partners and sorting out all their paperwork all their share certificates you know all the really fun stuff but not selling any financial products and then being clobbered over the head when I got back to work with well what did you sell this lady and it was like well nothing yet because she didn't need anything yet and I just felt really frustrated and I left the bank I went and worked with a a a local IFA practice so when I was resigning actually, I was thinking, God, what the hell am I going to do? Like on part-time hours, I still want to spend time with my son. What am I going to do? And I went and had these conversations with some local IFA practices and they were all like, oh, come and join us. Like you can come and do this and some power planning and we need some back office support. And so I just kind of threw my hat into it really. And then quite frankly, was quite shocked by some of what was going on in the IFA practices. I kind of thought surely the IFA practices will be better than the banks, and there was just so much stuff that just didn't feel right for me and I remember googling I remember sitting at my desk googling like I don't I I don't even remember what I googled I think it was something like money mindset or something like that and this this term financial planning kind of came up and then I discovered uh, the back to why conference and I emailed the Paul Armson's company and I said like I want to come to your event and he was like are you a financial planner and I was like no, I'm a financial advisor. What's a financial planner? He was like, You can't come unless you're a financial planner. And I was like, <laughs> What is a financial planner? So I started Googling it. Um, and then I just immersed myself in the whole space of financial planning. Um, I then found the Next Gen community and I actually was coached by Adam, um, Adam, one of the, the co-founders, and he I remember him sitting with me and talking about like niche, you need to niche Catherine. I was like, what? I can't niche Then I'm going to miss out on all these people I can serve. And I'll never forget like that one coaching session. I literally was ready to leave the entire profession. And I always said to Adam, Adam Carrollan, this is I always say, like, if it wasn't for that conversation, I wouldn't be here. I'd probably be living in Australia with my my family over there. And that was the journey for me. I just went from, oh, what's this financial planning about to cash flow forecasting? What's this about? To all of a sudden, this is what was missing from what I was doing and then layered on top of that I was then going through my own transformation with my own relationship with money and all the PTSD uh, consequences of quite frankly self-sabotaging and earning loads of money and spending loads of money and the com- the combination of those two things just changed everything.
0: and yeah. um, We want to talk to you a bit more though about branding as you've built a really recognizable brand in financial planning I think it's fair to say one of the most Recognizable ones actually, when we kind of look at it across the board. And I mean, from your experience, when when it comes to building a brand, well, tell us what is your experience of building a brand? How have you found it? What have you learned along the way, you know, in in terms of building out the Catherine Morgan brand and and, and what you're up to nowadays?
1: Joe, it's so funny because I'm actually going through a whole rebranding process at the moment (laughs) for my personal brand. So for Catherine Morgan, because we do need to kind of separate now our brands between the money panel, which is now our training arm, and the, the consumer brand which is uh, Catherine Morgan and I'm actually working with a proper branding expert for the first time and what's been really interesting is that a lot of what she's telling me is kind of things that I did anyway automatically and some of it is like oh my goodness like I never would have thought to go into this level of detail and it's been really eye-opening for two reasons one is that I think a lot of people get stuck on branding because they focus so much on the colors of the logo um which is important right like i I've, I've trained in color psychology so um, i know how important color is but sometimes we allow all these little things to just um get us into a place where we just procrastinate and don't make any decisions or we just look at everybody else's brands and we kind of think yeah just send the link to this company just do something like that like we'll try and copy other people's and the one thing i've learned about branding the most important thing is your message your message is ultimately how people are going to remember you so what you say in your language like the copy on your website is the most important thing i mean sure color is important logo is important you want a logo that's recognizable but you know everything that's on the money panel brand for example i just i created all that myself on canva and you know these these free little apps that you can use i didn't really spend a huge amount of time on my brand but what i did spend a lot of time on was my message what's the story or the message that you want to give to your clients that's what they're going to remember and that's what's going to help you to differentiate between you and your competitor next door even if you have similar color fonts and you know everyone uses navy bra- navy blue don't they? In financial <laughs> services because it's the color of trust <laughs> um but what about your audience like if your audience is women for example like our communities then You've got to think about that within your branding, within your messaging, uh, more than anything else. And I would say out of all the mentors I've spent thousands of pounds working on to build my personal brand, that would be absolutely the number one thing I would say is think about what is your message? What is the impact you're going to create for people? And when you talk about it, talk about it as if they're already there. So, for example, if your message is to help Uh, women who have just lost their partners, let's say, you don't want to be talking to them in how they're necessarily feeling in that moment of just losing their partner, right? Because they know, they know they're feeling awful and full of grief and highly emotional and probably not able to make any decisions right now. You want to communicate to them in a way of how they're going to feel in six months' time or 12 months' time or five years' time. And I think I only learned that recently. If we can communicate that in where a client wants to be in the future and help them to visualize that that's possible for them through your content and through your your copy then that's a really empowering place for your consumers to be
2: awesome and just on that message or mission that you have around reducing anxiety and increasing empowerment and resilience for one million women how did you get to sort of that 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 message and how do you quantify that now moving forward
1: (laughs) Yeah, great question scott um, I was inter- I interviewed sorry somebody on my podcast, Susie Ashworth, recently, and we've actually decided to remove the one million women um, because that mission statement was something that it took me an entire weekend to put together. I actually went on a retreat with an organisation called One of Many, and the retreat was called Be Fulfilled, and it was all about how you feel fulfilled in your work and in your career. So it took me two days of retreats work to come up with this, like one statement to equip and prepare 1 million women to be financially resilient. And then recently on this podcast interview, Susie said to me, why a million? And I was like, actually, I don't know. I just thought I'd put a figure on it. She's like, how do you measure that? I was like, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe some kind of clock on my website or something. And she said, well, why, you know, what would happen if you were to expand that vision? And the reason we were having this conversation is because I'm going out next year to Necker Island uh, with Richard Branson to talk about some of the work that he does with his Unite Trust and, you know, really helping with some of this bigger issue around financial abuse in, in in particular. And as soon as she said that, like, what would happen if you were to remove that great coaching question? I was like, like, everything would happen. Everything would expand every, every possibility. Um so yeah that that's kind of where it started i think it's good to have something that you can get started with but as your business grows and as your impact improves and develops we do have to kind of review these to think well how can i widen this impact statement to more people and that you know for those people who know me well will know that i'm very driven by impact you know money's just the money it's it's not about the money right it's it's the impact that we can have on people's lives that makes the biggest difference
0: Mm, for sure. And I think that sort of is so clear when you talk about it as well, it's so authentic. And, and I think authenticity is key. Right. And I think whether it's uh, I think clients can, can see through when you're not being authentic very quickly. So how how do you or for perhaps for listeners who are thinking, do you know what, I don't have a particularly interesting story that I can convey to clients that's you know authentic and I'm just me and I'm you know doing financial planning as my nine to five how do you how do they convey to clients that, that their authenticity and trustworthiness and getting you know clients and and, and the way that they do that what, what sort of things might they want to think about
1: yeah I think that this word authentic for me gets massively overused like what does that even mean like to be authentic um and I think really you've just got to be yourself like you don't have to have the most incredible story you don't have to have lost anybody or been in pain or you know, you don't have to have been through PTSD, for example, to get your story out there. This is something that we teach in our program, actually, in the marketing part of our program. We teach people just to think about, well, first of all, what's the transformation you want your client to feel? And there may be elements of your story that will help them to feel empowered, but there might not be. And that's OK. It could just be your client stories that you could share with Through your newsletters, on your website. You know, how you communicate to your clients before they've even Googled you is really important. So a lot of people say, well, like now I'm a financial coach, how do I tell people about that? You do it through your marketing, you do it through your messaging, you do it through creating stories. And we all love to hear stories, you know, as children growing up, this is what we teach our children. We tell them stories because it it creates purpose and it creates a perception or a meaning around something. So I think the first thing to do is to get super curious to what do your clients want to hear about? Where are your clients right now? And what kind of stories are going to empower them to think and feel differently for themselves? And that may be your story, but it might not be. It might be a collection of stories from your community or your clients or your team members even. There might be someone in your team who could be your brand ambassador. You know, people often build brands and think they have to be, the person who represents that brand, you could literally go and hire someone to be a brand ambassador and get them to communicate stories. If you don't feel like you're, you know, you want to do that, quite frankly. So, I think specifically for the for me around this, it's it is about it is about pre- like communicating something that's important for your clients, but it doesn't have to be you. It doesn't have to be you that shows up on social media. It doesn't have to be you that has you know does a random. TikTok video, you know, like it, it doesn't have to be you. It just has to be somebody. Um, and it's important to find who that somebody is. Is it you? Is it someone in your team? Is it a brand ambassador? Is it somebody who's another financial planner? Like, I really believe if we were to work a lot more collaboratively with other amazing financial planning firms, you know, then get someone in their team to go and pioneer and talk about this. If you've got a shared, shared vision, shared values, shared ways that you work you know from an ethical perspective then there's so many different ways that you can do it.
2: Uh, for sure and I, I guess um you speak about obviously your mission statement conveying a meaningful uh, values etc is how did you end up deciding on sort of how does that link into your niche like obviously with are focusing on women how did you end up deciding that was what you wanted to do?
1: Yeah good question I still challenge this myself and you know like we had a guy yesterday who reached out to say, can I join your Money Circle membership, which is an all, you know, currently an all women membership. And we were like, well, yeah, of course you can. But then we were thinking, oh, God, but how are the other members going to feel when this man shows up in this Facebook group? You know, like, it's, it's not that we specifically, we never specifically went out to just women in our consumer space. It just kind of happened. And if you think about it, what I've just said there about sharing your story, when I share my story about being a financial advisor in my 20s, but living in debt and these recurring debt cycles, then other women are going to hear that story and know that as a mum, how, you know, we always put everybody else's needs before our own. And that kind of enabler relationship, that overgiving relationship, was what was keeping me stuck in debt, basically. So when I started sharing that story, other women were able to connect to that story, and then they would come over and, and follow us. So we kind of naturally just attracted women, but we have guys in our community too. We have guys who listen to our podcast, like we don't exclude people. And I think that's the important thing for me is I don't ever wanna build a business that excludes people. This is an all-inclusive community. So we'll never like turn a man away. It's just that our marketing is specifically for women. So when we've created my book cover, for example, it's been created for it to be aesthetic to a woman. Um, that doesn't mean there's not going to be loads of guys that are going to read the book. So I think it's don't be fearful that by niching and targeting with your message, you're going to exclude people because you won't. It just means that you'll be talking much more directly to the kind of people that you want to work with. Like there are certain types of women that quite frankly, we don't like working with, you know, like ultra high masculine women. I personally won't work with on a one-to-one basis because it triggers me. (laughs) It triggers me (laughs) way too much because they're all in high energy masculine do-do-do-do-do mode. And I'm not the best person to serve them for that. And that's okay. It's okay to get clear on who can you work with? Who do you want to work with? But who do you not want to work with as well? So if you communicate that message and, you know, you wouldn't go out and say, I'm not going to work with high masculine women. (laughs) I'm probably going to massively regret saying that now, but you know, you don't have to say that out loud, but you can in your messaging, in your communication, you can really make it quite clear who you do work with and who you don't work with.
0: And these are super helpful insights because I think as well that idea of niching. You're right. The the sort of blocker, perhaps, for a lot of people either doing that is like, right, it seems like a lot of work, it seems like a lot of effort, and all it's going to result in is me not getting as many clients. But what you're saying is that actually, you are. It's not excluding. Uh, you know, the, the sort of clients that you're probably dealing with day to day is just going to perhaps funnel more of a particular type of client your way as well. So you kind of gradually there's going to be more of them, um, higher percentage perhaps. But, but that, that's quite helpful, I think, for listeners to to know that sure. they're not going get, to get kind of impacted negatively by that. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've been thinking it the other way. What would happen if you didn't niche and all of a sudden you're looking after multiple clients with multiple problems, multiple needs? Like Energetically, that's really hard. Um, And how would you create content? Like, how would you create content for your newsletters, for your website? You know, the easiest and best thing you can do is go and interview your top 10 favorite clients that you want more of, get them on Zoom, record them, and ask them, you know, some specific questions around, you know, what's going on for them in their life right now? How will they know when a, a meeting's been really successful for them? Like, what are the key things that They want from you as a service provider, and just ask a whole bunch of interesting questions. Record what they say, and that's the copy for your website, right? Because what they tell you is going to be pretty much the same for a lot of other people. So you can kind of get them to tell you what it is that's important to them, and that's what you communicate out to other people that you then want to attract into your business.
2: Such a good piece of advice because I sort of sit here sometimes myself and think. How do I decide what my niche is? In actual fact, the people that you can already help, like you say, they're there in front of you. Go and speak to them and ask them what they value from it. And then that's how you that's how you make your content.
1: The other thing is just look in a mirror. <laughs> just look in a mirror, right? Because most people end up serving somebody who is pretty much the, the exact like mirror reflection of who they are because you know how to help them because you've yeah. been in that situation. You might be five years ahead of that or 10 years ahead of that situation, but we often like working with people who are like ourselves um, in every way, like values-wise, personality-wise sometimes. That's why I don't like working with high masculine women because it <laughs> reminds me of where I was 20 years ago where I was just do, 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 everything, do, do, do. And you know. so I don't work with people like that anymore. And so if you're struggling with, well, who on earth do I niche with? Just look in the mirror and go and find people who are like you that you're passionate to help.
0: Amazing. So helpful. And to kind of wrap that all up into one then, I mean, obviously, PFS Power is all about sharing and collaborating as well as shining a positive light on people that are affecting change in this space so so you've already given sort of Paul Armisen a shout out in terms of you know getting you on board with with proper financial planning but is there anyone else or anything in particular that you're particularly keen on at the minute that you want to shout out and say you know a big well done to or anything that's kind of uh, you know helped you to get to where you are now?
1: Oh, my goodness. There's so many. Uh, But it has to be the next gen community. It really does. Like uh, Adam Owens just come on as our non-exec director uh, to the money panel that uh, if it wasn't for next gen, I wouldn't be doing what I was doing today. I would be, be living in Australia probably Um, having quite a nice life in Australia (laughs) but not in this space and I can honestly say the work I do now it's not even work like I just I love what I do I love helping people to change their relationship with money I love helping financial professionals to integrate financial coaching into their businesses and if it wasn't for next gen I wouldn't be here there's some incredible people that are doing amazing things in the next gen community people that are launching podcasts uh people that are launching uh cafes money cafes on clubhouse for example you know there's some there's incredible facebook groups going on to support other financial professionals in the next gen community there's just some incredible work so if i'm sure you guys have heard and are involved with next gen but if you're not they they literally have just been the absolute lifesaver for me so big shout out to these guys
2: Awesome. They're a common, they're a common group of people that come up. <laughs> That's the most important thing. And finally, if, listen, if listeners wanted to connect with you, ask you questions, Catherine, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm everywhere on social media. Uh, but yeah, coming to us, we have a financial coach community. So for those people who are financial planners that are interested in this behavioural side of money, or just want to come and connect with us, um, if you just search on Facebook for financial coach community, uh, or just drop me an email, like I'm always grateful to hear from fellow financial planners. So just drop me an email at hello at themoneypanel.co.uk.
0: Awesome. It has been a pleasure to chat with you this morning. Thank you for uh, all your helpful insights, which I know listeners are going to get loads out of. And um, best of luck with the book launch. I hope it goes really well.
1: Thank you very much. I would really appreciate anyone who wants to buy it. Buy it on the 9th of December, because then we get all the Amazon <laughs> algorithms to uh, support us and get out to people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll be sure to do that. Thanks, Catherine. Take care. Cheers, Catherine. Thank you very much. Thanks,
1: guys. Thank you. you guys.